Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There is no way that you haven't seen one of the commercials or read a story about this new class of diabetes drugs, one of which is called Ozempic. You've seen that, right? I mean, it's amazing for treating diabetes and pre-diabetes. And yes, there's also that little side effect of weight loss. But as more and more people are taking it, it turns out that there are other potential side effects that it's having too. So apparently patients taking a drug like Ozempic have also reported experiencing the suppression of addictive and compulsive behaviors, things like nail biting and smoking. So it's now raising this bigger question, could this class of drugs help with addiction issues? Well, Dr. Ali Zentner is the Director of Obesity Medicine at Revolution Medical Clinic and joins us now to talk more about this research. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. This sounds really interesting. So what kind of behaviors have you seen change with this medication? So I think the first thing, even before we talk about like the he said, she said, you know, what did they say kind of phenomenon, it's important to understand just the idea of what is this class of drugs. And there's, as you know, a lot of misinformation out there. And and the drugs itself, so for example, Ozempic is one of the commercial names for a drug called semaglutide, which is a copy of a gut hormone called GLP-1. And I should say semaglutide has been approved in Canada uh, for both the treatment of obesity and the treatment of diabetes. And where we're seeing this benefit is this kind of unleashing of this information around what we call the gut-brain access. So the idea that we now understand better than ever why we have sort of our food behaviors, if you will, our certain personalities around food, why cravings aren't a will concept, they're actually more biological. And, you know, what GLP-1 does is it's a true gut hormone released by the small intestine in response to food to tell your brain that a meal's arrived. And you go back to sort of biology of that. Well, if the brain is getting a food signal, it's not going to think it's starving. And so your brain doesn't need to hunt food, so to speak. The hunter parts of our brain also do other things. So they also are involved in cravings and compulsions and rewards. And so what you're doing is you're literally sort of attending to that compulsion slash craving slash addiction slash compulsion reward center in the brain and you often see a translation that other let's say um, uh, manifestations of an overactive hunter system um, will actually be muted so that's where we we can see you know some patients reporting and I will say I do have patients report Quite honestly, not all of them, but variability around cravings around food and certain foods and even certain cravings around alcohol, etc. So I, I think it's important to A, take the the sort of they said world of social media mm-hmm. and etc. with a grain of salt, but also to understand why that might be triggering that response. 
first of all, stellar job in making that so that we could all understand what you were talking about there. Sure. <laughs> because that can be very challenging. Neurobiology right. is so easy to get. I mean, really, it's just an easy concept. It's for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So you just did the ABCs of neurobiology for you us. Like that? And we appreciate that. My be- pleasure. Because you're right. We see the commercials. We see the right. headlines. And people don't dig enough, you know, dig a little deeper into it to understand right. what's going on here. But have you seen those changes in people? Do people have like these, we would call them like bad habits or whatever, biting their nails, and then that stops? So I want to, to me, you're, you're awesome, but I want to correct us around this idea of habits, right? Because habit implies that it's a person's will and that if they can start it, they can stop it. And I think we underscore the idea that a lot of this is more biological and right. more how our brains are built. And that's where bias, for example, around substance misuse disorder, alcohol misuse disorder, bias against obesity comes from, is from our idea that, ah, just snap out of it as a will thing. And that's not the case. Isn't that what we're learning with these drugs, though, too? Like, we are learning that... We're learning that our brains are different in in all of us. That depression is not just, you know, depression used to be called uh, low moral fiber. 50 years ago, like if you want to get horrified, right? So that, you know, brain chemistry is really complicated. But to answer your question, yes, we are seeing, I mean, it depends on your patient population, right? So if you put enough people on a certain um, agent, you're going to see variability of response in terms of, you know, who has side effects and who doesn't, who has response and who doesn't. And remember, we're all a little bit different on the inside, just like we are on the outside. So our our biology is different as well. And so we are, and in fact, the data actually shows this. This is why I chuckle, because back in like 2020, there were reports in the literature of decreased cravings towards alcohol with the use of, of this class of agents, not just with semaglutide, but for example, with exanatide and dilaglutide, which were other agents of this nature. And there's been ongoing animal studies in particular to show exactly that, that what you do is you target what's called the mesolimbic system or the compulsion reward system in our brains that evolved to make us good hunters, and you sort of hit it where it's working. Um, And then there's some very small uh, patient sort of retrospective studies going on, um, as well as right now they're actually looking at prospective randomized trials, looking at everything from alcohol misuse disorder right. to um, to nicotine use, etc. Okay, but has this opened up then, Dr. Zetner, a whole new air, sure. like area of going, okay, well, we, we didn't know this, and now we have to look into this. I think it's opened up a few things. So I think the beauty of medicine, I mean, medicine has its, pluses and its negatives absolutely i will acknowledge but the beauty of the of medicine is that when you under when you study one disease you may learn about another because we learn about the intricacies and the complexities of the brain um, and the brain gut access so for example studying diabetes and developing diabetes medications led to a better understanding of obesity and this idea that obesity was not a will issue but an inappropriate starvation response and then that led to an understanding of sort of that compulsion center that's hardwired into our brains and how we you know the the organ that controls our mood controls our food controls our compulsions controls other factors and led to an understanding of substance misuse disorder and so is this is you know i i think 
first of all, I think the run on like all of the hype and the negative hype in the media around, quote, Ozempic. And, you know, I hear terrible things like we should save it for people who really need it. Like, you know, that's a decision that a patient makes with a physician. And and I think it speaks to the weight bias that exists in the media and in general society. But I'm fascinated that now because there is an option for substance misuse disorder and a light has just turned on in a space where we can all acknowledge there has been very little medical treatment up until now. And it's been a very complicated you know, uh, issue that now all of a sudden, you know, drugs like semaglutide have become positive again. Like, you know, for example, when it was for treating diabetes, it was amazing. When it was for treating obesity, it was, oh, my God, please. And now it's for treating substance misuse disorder and it's back on people's good list. You know what? You're so right the way you just described right? it there. So, you're, you're right. But it seems to me we are on the precipice. Like we're on the verge of perhaps discovering a whole new way to treat these issues. A hundred percent. And I think that the biggest barrier to all of this is bias. And so what this says to me is, uh, it's funny, because when I I was asked to sort of talk about this, I thought, oh, yeah, this is because of, you know, and and just another biology lesson. Think about it. 50,000 years ago, you don't want to die of starvation. You better hunt food and you better store fat. And so in our brains, we actually have a hunter system called the mesolimbic system, which is the craving center of the brain. It's also been linked to ADD, substance misuse disorder, um, compulsion disorders like picking, etc. And it's, you know, anyone who's ever the Nordstrom sale, for example, that's your compulsion reward center on fire. And it's a dopamine pathway with different receptors along the way, cocaine receptors, cannabinoid receptors, nicotine receptors. It also has fullness hormone receptors like GLP-1 along it. And so that's what you're talking about in this system here. But I I think the idea Mm -hmm. here, what this has shone a light to me is that, yeah, this biology we've known about now for the last 10 to 12 years. And I love that we're pushing the narrative forward. Viagra started out as a blood pressure medication. It then became an erectile dysfunction medication. And now it's used for both pulmonary hypertension and erectile dysfunction, two very different diseases, quite frankly. So, you know, I I think this idea that, that understanding this moves the conversation forward to answer your point. But the biggest barrier still remains, I think what it reveals to me is how much bias exists in the world, period. Such an interesting discussion. Dr. Zettner, thank you for your time. Thank you.